This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Tuesday, July 23rd, 2019, my guest is no other than the awesome Ken Young of Flipboard. Hi, Ken. How are you? Hi, Miriam. How's it going? Yay, I'm good. Uh, you ready to talk about some tech news and tech things? You know, it's been a slow week. I don't actually know what's been going on. I mean, everything's just, you know, rainbows and sunshine around here, isn't it? I think so. You're right. It has been a slow week. I, I was looking at topics yesterday. I mean, it is Tuesday. It's a little earlier in the week. But, you know, the show goes from, I usually record midweek to midweek. So basically it gets published on the weekend. So whatever news is, is whatever news. <laughs> and I mean, the big news, I think, and we'll get to that in a second, is that that rumor of Apple buying Intel's modem business, that's a huge piece of news. So we should probably talk about that. But I wanted to, before we do, to kind of ease you in there, uh, get a feel for what you do at Flipboard. Yeah, so uh, my role is I'm the technology editor at Flipboard. And for those that are not familiar with Flipboard, it's a content curation and discovery platform. Um, I, I view it as as a place where you can kind of get a comprehensive view, a, a, a story, if you will, about what what you're passionate about, the topics that you're that you're interested in. And while I'm mostly focused on technology, I mean, we have areas that we cover things such as obviously news, politics, business. Um, uh, sports, uh, photography, but it's also uh, we also serve uh, articles from uh, reputable and and high quality publishers such as New York Times, uh, VentureBeat, The Verge, TechCrunch, uh, Wall Street Journal, uh, Washington Post, Bloomberg, and and the like around a different a host of of different topics. You know things such as cooking, things where you can find recipes, fashion, the arts, uh, culture. Um, you know, entertainment, yeah, you know, yeah. all those, all those fun things. And so my job is to kind of really surface all the relevant technology news that's happening every day and offer an editorial, a human powered uh, spin on, on what's relevant and what, what's the, what's everyone's talking about in terms of tech. And that's what I enjoy doing. I mean, as a as a former reporter at VentureBeat and the Next Web, um, where I believe uh, you and I uh, have 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 worked yeah. uh, alongside each other in in the press pool. Yeah. Um, I mean that the, that's what I enjoy doing, and and you know being able to tell stories about these companies, and uh, now I get to do that um, from for the perspective of the readers, um, but without having to necessarily write it, but also share uh, quality journalism as as we as I encounter them. Yeah, no, it's you're basically doing what I'm doing for the podcast. You're, you're oh, yeah, curating absolutely. a set of, of news for the technology news. In my case, it's a little more focused on mobile and consumer. Mm -hmm. But I mean, basically, we're doing the same kind of stuff. And it's it's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. So, you know, let's go to that first topic. Um, you Have you followed the whole saga that kind of led to this uh, rumor? You know, I think uh, in terms of when it comes down to like uh, the the big chip makers, it's almost like a soap opera. Um, for you know, it's <laughs> That's like so true. you know, as the days go by, or or as the world turns, or or you know, days of our lives, or whatever they you have you. Um, I mean, it's like who's who's doing what these days? You know, Apple's uh, having a tiff with Qualcomm now. Qualcomm has a tiff with. Uh, the FTC and then Samsung and then Apple has a tiff with Samsung and now Intel's having a tiff with whoever and then 
you know, it's 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 this weird who who's doing what these days. It's days and, of our lives. Yeah. The 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 semiconductor exactly. edition. You yeah. know, it's like it, it's almost like okay, bring the popcorn now. Next 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 week at twelve noon, find out what you know <laughs> Intel's going to do with their five G modem business. And then you have the the that organ is like da da, you know, that yeah, dramatic totally. music type of stuff. Uh, but so it's it's kind of interesting uh, what they're doing. I mean, Intel's uh, from my my understanding of of what's going on in the news. Um, I mean, this is this is something that could potentially be announced either this week or next week, depending on who. who yeah, has by the, the time you hear this podcast, earning. it might be a done deal, folks. Oh, uh, absolutely, because it won't be out till like Thursday or Friday. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Apple is going to announce their earnings next week. Intel is supposed to announce their earnings this week. Oh, boy. So, I mean, it, theoretically, I think because Apple is the buyer, I mean, who knows? They could actually be announcing it next week um, ahead of their earnings that they that they picked it up. Um, but Intel, as I was saying, is, is streamlining their business. Um, you know, it, it, it seems, you know, the company is not doing extravagantly well as what they were back in the day. Um, and they're, they've given up their, I believe their 5G um, modem business. Um, and so now they're going to sell that, yep. sell the patents exactly and, right. and maybe their staff, according to initial reports from the Wall Street Journal, uh, to, you know, Apple's in quote, advanced talks to, to acquire Intel, uh, acquire that Intel's business. And it could be for at least a billion dollars, which I mean, it's like it actually okay. sounds to me like a very little money, frankly. That's such for, a critical like part Apple, of the smartphone business. Yeah, I mean, you look look at their Apple's earnings, um, and and look how much they they have in the bank every time, and everyone's like, okay, so they should be buying something, and that's like saying, oh, I have like you know a hundred dollars in my pocket, you know, and I'm buying like you know a, a dollar soda from McDonald's or something like that. I mean, that's pocket money, you know. Uh, so this is that's a very odd analogy comparing the same with apple and intel yeah. uh, but i mean that's it's very i mean apple has the money to do that um and it, it makes sense and and certainly takes uh some pressure off of off of intel's whole uh streamlining um you know process or system yeah. that they want to go through what so, i find interesting yeah. about it myself is that it's like you know there was this this big you know lawsuit between intel and uh, sorry between apple and qualcomm and, you know, for years, and it got to the point where 2018 iPhones, the current set, the 10s, 10s Max, 10R, were Intel-only equipped devices. If, if you remember, and I say you, the audience, if you remember, the iPhone 10 was available in two SKUs, an Intel version and a Qualcomm version in the sense of the modems used. And, of course, the Qualcomm version was the one to have. It outperformed the Intel version in terms of bands and, and, and all kinds of things. And I actually, when I bought my iPhone 10 unlocked, um, thankfully the unlocked version was the Qualcomm version. And But I would have bought the, I would have probably bought the Verizon version and had it unlocked if, um, if, if that was my only way to get the Qualcomm modem. So I was a little bummed that they went with Intel this year because if you're like, you know, if you're used to Android, the performance of the 4G radios on current iPhones are a joke. Like, we're getting multi-gigabit speeds um, potentially on 4G on, on a phone like a OnePlus 7 Pro or like a Galaxy S10 Plus right now. Uh, you know, and some carriers are delivering close to 5G speeds on 4G on these phones. So it was really good news when I heard them shake hands, Apple and Qualcomm, and say, okay, Apple paid us money and Qualcomm's happy. And now they're going to be... The logical conclusion was... They're going to be starting using Qualcomm modems again for next year, and that could very much be the case. But at the same time, we heard that news of Intel immediately announcing, almost even before maybe 
the Apple Qualcomm resolution use, that they were leaving the modem business. And I actually at the time thought that it was kind of like the result of all this, this reconciliation between Apple and Qualcomm. But now I'm looking at it completely differently with this news. I'm kind of looking at it. This, this was kind of the kind of the whole big plan all along where Apple is going to acquire the uh, uh, Intel's, you know, modem business. And if Apple does that, you know, we know what they've done with their ARM chips. They've really become the, one of the premier maker of ARM chips in the world. And I would argue that the A-series chips on the iPhone are the best ARM chips today, even though I'm a big fan of what Qualcomm's doing. So it could very well be that they're acquiring the patents and kind of that base level of expertise that they need at Apple to make these great modems for their future phones and that they're going to use Qualcomm in the interim, but one day they're just going to release their 4G, 5G modems and they're going to kick ass. And and how is Qualcomm feeling about this right now, right? Since it's a soap yeah. opera, Ken, what, what do you think <laughs> Qualcomm's thinking right now? Well, you're going to have to wait for uh, you know a, a direct TV to actually tell you what the, what the spoilers are next week. Um, but <laughs> I think I think you know it, it, it's you 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 nailed it. I mean, I think when when Qualcomm and Apple um, became best buddies, uh, you know, suddenly, um, I mean, you as as the reports have have indicated, um, there was certainly no love lost between Qualcomm and 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 Apple in that in that battle. I mean, they were they were basically going to scorch the entire earth to 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 win the battle and uh, basically once that the actual deal did happen um intel looked at it and said look we're we're there's no way for us to to move forward just because qualcomm has essentially more of a lock i think if if qualcomm had lost that would have given intel more uh, of a leeway to to move forward in terms of their 5g business so since that didn't happen they're they're basically saying okay forget it now you're right Apple's whole, um, you know, their pro their way that they're doing their ARM chips and, and whatever they're putting into all the hardware they're putting into their phones, they're they're excelling at. I mean, you look at and that's the name of the game in terms of all these uh, phone makers these days. I mean, every phone announcement um, that you see from from any of the big makers, um, they're they're always touting this new processor chip, this new chip, and whatnot. Is you know faster speeds, faster speeds, faster capabilities. And it's insane that these are, you know, they're always making mass improvements. So maybe they're they're trying to cut, uh, get rid of the middlemen, um, that being yeah, like, yeah. you know, Qualcomm and Intel, and just saying, look, we're going to do it in, in, do it all in house, and that lets us gives us more control in terms of one upping everybody else. Because at some point, the the saving great, uh, the difference for for a lot of people will won't necessarily be, you know, the phone because there's really no 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 additional room to to make on when it comes to, to to the cameras on these phones right um and and the os's are starting to blur together uh, so it's so i mean you basically have to get down to to the nitty-gritty to actual details of of the device and you know i mean will will consumers regular consumers actually know that recognize the difference between how fast you know the the iphone uh processor is versus the samsung yeah, no, I don't think it matters too much right now. I'm just saying that for those of us, and, and I'm not, I'm not a spec, like I'm not a spec person. Like, mm -hmm. I, I can live with, you know, whatever I get. I just feel like there's a, you know, if you look at that top tier market where Apple plays, you know, that premium, yeah. um, it, it's, you kind of want the best and oh, yeah. they're not delivering the best, at least on the radio front right now. Right. That's all I'm saying. Like, it doesn't have to be like the best, best, best. It, you know, 10% yeah. of the best would be good enough, but we're way below that. These Intel modems just completely don't perform very well.
Well, well, okay. Let's let's put it. Let's play a little bit of a of a you know of, of what could happen, right? I mean, you look at what uh, you know, right? Intel hasn't done fairly. Uh, the Intel's chips have, have have fared poorly against Qualcomm, right? So, okay, so and Apple buys it for a billion dollars. It's it's not the most expensive acquisition that Apple's made. They they spent three billion dollars on Beats. Okay, whatever. And but ultimately, didn't that technology essentially wind up? creating the airpods i mean i mean who knows right? right um but they but but beats has basically been squandered so but let's say that uh apple does buy intel's 5g uh cable uh, modem business oh cable wow uh that's weird uh, but they buy they buy their modem business um uh, so now you start to see uh potential of their iphones uh now being uh more you know you see more 5g type of devices coming out of out of uh, apple I mean, Samsung basically uh, beat them to the punch with the uh, 5G version of the Samsung Galaxy um, S10. Yeah. Now, so, and then you start to see a lot more cities, a lot more of the carriers starting to support 5G um, that are out there. So, look, who knows what, what's going to happen with the new iPhones? I mean, there's reports that the new iPhone, the, the, uh, or that are already surfacing around the, the, the next iPhones that'll come out, that'll be announced in, in September. Um, but, I mean, this is... This is an opportunity, potential opportunity for Apple to basically take the the or an already established chip and make it better by using the by finessing it using the the uh, Apple um, methodology, if you will. So this is, could be a very interesting uh, time for for Apple to do. And uh, I mean, sure, their their phones have 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 probably lagged compared to everybody else because they're like, oh, you know, Apple doesn't have any doesn't have its you know, that, that je ne sais quoi anymore. Right. So, but now this might be an opportunity to kind of like start to, to add more of these type of features that aesthetically you may not know, might not think it's that much, that more, that much more impressive. But the the fact is that the iPhone could be that much more powerful than anybody expected because For of sure, all yeah. this new technology under the hood. And it, Apple just probably needs to find a way to to convey that uh, because most people you know, aren't you know that that aren't spec people they won't know they won't I mean they won't care I like I mean I care if it's if it's the the name the type of processor but the actual speeds I mean it's all relative to me yeah no I think I think you know ultimately it's it's an interesting announcement I think that it kind of retroactively makes me wonder as I said whether this Apple and Intel had this kind of plan pretty much from the get-go. Like, mm -hmm. I, I'm wondering if you know, there weren't some talks behind the scenes where Apple said to Intel, look, you know, we're going to, we have this problem with it, with Qualcomm. We need an interim solution. You're not delivering. We're, we're going to acquire you. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we're going to reconcile with Qualcomm so we can get, we can get this. And they might not have, it might not have been quite that, you know, I mean, I don't see that as a smart business decision, but also I don't see it as a very smart business decision to kind of make suddenly break a tie with a longtime partner without some sort of negotiation going on. You know what I'm saying? Right. No, I think, I think Apple probably just decided, you know, they hedged their bets and it was like, look, we, we're, we're going to, we need to uh, make nice with Qualcomm because otherwise, you know, we're, we're screwed. Um, but at the end of the day, we need to find ways to, to get around this relationship. It's, it's a kind of like a, um, you know, a, 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 an odd, odd relationship, uh, kind of, kind of like, you know, you're damned if you are, you're damned if you're not, uh, type of relationship. So they kind of need, uh, Qualcomm, but they need to find ways to, to mitigate any, any risks. And so maybe the Intel deal, 
uh, will certainly help out uh, help out Apple. Now, also, I mean, I know we're talking about smartphones and specifically iPhones, but I mean, what about potentially bringing in um, the in, bringing in Intel's uh, 5G chips into other Apple devices as well, and even potentially, you know, if Apple decides to get into the five into the self driving car type of uh, business, and I know they've been rumored to have that for for a while. Um, so, I mean, the, these chips could be incorporated into the uh, iPad Pro, or it could be incorporated into the MacBooks. Um, Hell, maybe even to the uh, into that cheese grater of a of a device that they that they released uh, probably a, that they announced uh, a few weeks ago, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, who knows what's going to happen with 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 what um, Apple could do, you know? And I think the fact that it's in advanced talks is actually a sign that yeah, I think you're right, Miriam, that they actually did they might have had uh, some initial casual conversations you know during the trial during the during the qualcomm uh apple uh tiff and you know with intel and saying hey uh you know over don't drinks. despair you know yeah. we got you kind of could, thing could, yeah. could that be a could could this be a thing you know we and, literally have got you yeah so so <laughs> well yeah so who knows what 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 happened behind the scenes i think that's going to take some more uh creative reporting than than uh than some of us are able to to muster at this point but i'm sure that story will come out uh, yeah i mean my, my impetus here is that we all know that apple wants to be fully vertically integrated where they create all their stuff in-house right so right. that just it's just the logical end game for them and and so it, you know cpu like soc gpu they have that modems a really big thorn on their side right now so they are highly driven to make some sort of modem acquisition or you know get their own modems done in-house but that's like a herculean effort like you know i had to say this but one of the reasons i like qualcomm so much is that they really have they're a very interesting company like I don't always like the way they do business because they kind of behave like a lot like a monopoly in many ways. And I don't like that. But at the same time, I also feel that they have, you know, they have driven some of the highest, like the next gen of radio technology really hard for very long and defined a lot of it because they, they really know. They really know and they really understand this and really define it. And so, you know, it's going to take a lot of time and work and energy for for somebody to come along and compete. The only company right now that I think can directly compete with Qualcomm in radio is Huawei. Nobody else. Nobody yeah, else. And I'm not even talking about 5G. I'm talking purely on LTE alone right now. Yeah, but that uh, Huawei might have been uh, stifled. Uh, and I mean, they're already laying off people, uh, hundreds of people, unfortunately, as a result of uh, you know, the, the no, I'm just talking purely about the technical expertise, right? At this right, point, I mean, right. we could go in down the Huawei discussion, like I'm it, we've done it in the podcast a lot. <laughs> I, I don't want, I mean, that's a tangent we can take, but I, I feel like we've covered it a lot, and I agree with you. Like, there's definitely, um, what about Broadcom? Not, no, no, yeah. I mean, MediaTek would be my, my third candidate mm. at that point in 5G or 4G right now. Um, but we're looking, I mean, in terms of like, perf- like. In-house expertise, I think Huawei is the closest thing to Qualcomm. Right. Um, whether they, you know, they can use it right now in any way or not, I don't know. Obviously, they use it on their own phones. Right. Um, and then 5G is the other next thing. I don't think anybody does millimeter wave at all right now. Mm-hmm. Like there's only Qualcomm, and of course, you know, Nokia Siemens doing the base stations. But I think that's it. That's it. If you want a 5G modem right now that does millimeter wave, there's Nobody else in the world that has the expertise. 
I mean, Huawei's supposed to have some millimeter wave thing, but we haven't seen it yet. So they have sub six covered. So does MediaTek. But in terms, so I was I wasn't just talking about four G. I'm talking also about five G. And in five G, I think Qualcomm dominates. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be the challenge for Apple. Is is I'm sure they can get LT under wraps in a few in couple in a year or two of of you know after post post Intel modem business acquisition. But then how long is it going to take them to get? And I think sub six five G they'll be fine. But I think millimeter wave five G, which is you know what AT and T and and Verizon and T Mobile use on some markets, is wow. This is going to be a tough one. So, but I'm also curious. Like, is this actually will this open up uh, another front in terms of this arms race uh, between you know big tech uh, companies, right? I mean, you you already you know Apple. Say Apple does uh, confirm that it's buying uh, Intel's five G side. Now, what what's what's Samsung to do? What is uh, what's Google to do? What is LG to do? Um, you know, what is Sony to do? You know, to to kind well, of they're going to cozy relevant. up more and more to Qualcomm, honestly, if they haven't already, and when and they they have, I mean, right. But does that open up uh, potential um, regulatory issues? Oh, for it does. Qualcomm? And you know, but that's the problem with tech industry in the U.S. in general. I mean, I love Google. I use their stuff all the time. I'm a big fan. But the reality is, they're pretty much a freaking monopoly. Every time they go talk uh, out there and say, "Oh, well, you know, there's other search engines like Wikipedia and and like Yahoo," I'm like, uh, "Please, like who, like who <laughs> uses DuckDuckGo? Like uh, some people Actually, do, and I think I do. I, I have it installed. I mean, some uh, people." I, I don't know some people do yeah. like my spouse does and because they're really concerned about privacy and security and I get that but the normal person googles okay like there's no there's no option here yeah like we already live in a world like I'm not saying it's right don't get me wrong I'm not suggesting that we should just leave it be I just don't know how to fix it right because I mean, why would you even want to fix it at this right. point? All the biggest issue is not so much that there's one company that owns that. My my biggest concern is that that company is not acting ethically. Yeah. So, and that's where I, I you know, again, I, you know, being growing up in Europe and you know, I have a different view on this, but I feel that that's unfortunately where regulation needs to come in. And I, I don't know how much I want as little involvement from the government here, but I do feel that we do need to put our foot down. And I don't know how you fix it. I don't. I don't know how you solve that. It, it's a tough one. And Facebook is another one. You know, there's so many. The tech industry is becoming kind of all this, this whole bunch of high castles out there that are yep. just, you know, a land of one. And it's just worrisome. But at the same time, we have much bigger problems right now with a freaking stupid regime that's stifling innovation and run by a boneheaded idiot. So you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be, I mean, you're already looking at things such as, uh, you know, like uh, even the EU and and uh, Congress is looking at big tech. So, I mean, I'm, su- I'm, I'm surprised that so far, like Qualcomm hasn't been added to the mix um, in terms of companies that are that are getting uh, called to testify before uh, lawmakers. Um, so but I think it's probably only a matter of time. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it'll be it'll be, you know, after this deal happens, it, you know, should this deal, should the Apple Intel deal happen? It'll be interesting to see. Um, at wh- how long after that do uh, does somebody raise a a red flag and say, look, Qualcomm, you know, is is a monopoly, is a, is basically like the De Beers of of you know chips, and you know they need to somebody needs to take a look at that. I mean, I believe that the uh, 
didn't the FTC settle with Qualcomm, or is that case still getting uh, mulled over? I'm not. I, I, I'm I not can't remember. Sure. I'm in the same boat as you. I know this. Yeah. This something happened there, but I can't remember what. Um, so but, I mean, it could that that case. I mean, could get picked up again. I mean, we're currently in this environment where uh, anti-competitive behavior is now getting uh, further scrutiny. So. Um, who knows what could happen? Uh, and I, I mean, you could probably see like LG, um, uh, Google, uh, Samsung probably leading the charge. Um, and, but it also could open the door for, you know, or could incentivize, um, some of the, the, the lower tier, uh, chip makers to speed up their innovation and their R and D and, and make, make in, you know, enticements to say, Hey, and let's try something. Honestly, that's what I feel is kind of happening. Like, MediaTek is another one of my little darlings that I've been following for a while now. And I feel that, you know, that they're, they're the underdog here. They're, they're like getting better and better. And not just in systems on a chip, like not just in, in CPU, GPU chips. They're, they're starting to get do, do some pretty good stuff with modems too. And of course, Huawei. And, and you know, again, I don't want to, because we're almost half in the podcast and I won't get to the other topics, but <laughs> but but I don't want to get into the whole Huawei thing because we've, talk, we've talked about it at length in the show. But, but again, what bothers me right now is that we're stifling innovation um, and in general with the politics and the way things are going in this country in general, mm-hmm. like by, by, you know, force, by, by, by having that trade war with China and forcing Huawei out by having that ban list. And I know it's relaxed a little bit, but that behavior is is stifling innovation. And the reason for that is if you purely look at handsets, phones, the most innovation and the most technology, the most advanced technology has come from Huawei in the last two years. Mm -hmm. If you look at their phones, they are way ahead of everybody else's. Like they are so good in terms of hardware. Software still needs some work. But software is Google, so it's basically just they have a big heavy skin on there. If they lighten their skin, everything would be great. Mm-hmm. And and but you look at the hardware, you look at the imaging performance on their camera phones, you look at the CPU performance. They make you know again, you know I I praise Apple for the A series chips. I honestly think that the only chips right now that can give Snapdragon Google, like Qualcomm a run for their money right now are the A series from Apple and and the Kirin series from Huawei. I mean, Exynos from Samsung used to be a player. They're no longer competitive. Mm -hmm. So my point is that we need Huawei for innovation and we need MediaTek for innovation. MediaTek is Taiwanese. Thankfully, they're not Chinese. But the thing is, I think this is the biggest problem we have right now is that these companies like Qualcomm and Google keep acquiring all these startups that are potentially going to become competitors. Mm -hmm. And we're stifling innovation in doing that. Yeah. You know, and I think we could minimize regulation if we we were less greedy as as businesses. If 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 we said, okay, let's let's let the competition do its thing, right? But I think the system is is broken right now. Yeah, I um, mean, it, it certainly is business. It, it certainly is broken, and I think right now, I think you're you're going to start to see a lot more consolidation. I mean, that's the current trend in 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 business and tech in general. You're you know, people are gobbling, companies are gobbling up other companies. It, it's like. It, it it's more frequent um, that I that I've seen in in recent years, uh, you know, even big companies spending billions and billions of dollars to, to acquire bigger, you know, other companies, um, you know, for for some adjacency or just for that technology, and then to to write off, you know, that acquisition. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's probably going to continue. You're still you're gonna, definitely going to see this um, this 
I guess, uproar from from critics asking for regulatory reform. Um, there will be people who are who are saying exactly what you're saying, Miriam, in terms of like, yeah, we need uh, we need to promote innovation. We need to promote uh, 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 the R and D competition. We need to promote opportunities in in around the world, especially in the United States, so that we are not beholden to you know paying. Qualcomm or paying Apple, you know, you know, or whoever, like all of our money, just so we can, you know, build something to to help out, um, help out society. Um, but I, so I think these are these are trends that will continue for a few years because these are not uh, easy easy things to to answer by no stretch. And and yeah, we we all know there's plenty of articles and podcasts and videos and interviews. Uh, with experts and pundits and and whoever else, all like trying to opine uh, insights, but I mean, at the end of the day, you're like everyone's still you know dumbfounded in terms of like where do we go? Like who actually is the decision maker to to make all of this you know to solve all of our problems? And I mean, it's everyone ha- has their own solution. And <laughs> I don't and think there's around, a single answer. We go. There, right? No, I there's mean, no single answer. No, you're right. Yeah, but I mean. Well, hey, at least it gives us uh, some interesting talking points. For sure. Switching gears, I want to talk to you about gaming phones. All right. And I want to think, I want, like, I know you're not really, you know, you don't dive into phones like <laughs> I do. And, but, but, you know, the listeners are like, like the phone. So we're going to talk about some phone stuff, but I'm kind of curious, have you, uh, has it been on your radar, this gaming phone trend that started with the Razer phone a while back? Well, there's probably others that started it as well. And starting to gel into a little small side business right now. Do you, have you remember been following that and looking at it at all? Do you remember? I think it was a f- maybe a few weeks, a few months. Uh, sorry, a few years ago. Um, Motorola. The they they announced they had this phone. There was all these commercials. I think it was uh, through T-Mobile, and it was one where you could attach all these different accessories, like a projector mm-hmm. or yeah, the mods, the Moto mods from yeah, Moto, yeah, and yeah. had a game controller for that. Yep. Yeah. So so this is the, when I when I read up about the uh, the Asus. Uh, ROG That's what phone. we're getting to, by the way, the ROG yeah. Phone 2, just in case you're wondering, folks. <laughs> um, I mean, that's that's what that re- this reminded me of. I mean, look, I I, I I do play some games, not a whole lot of games on, on my phone. You know, it's usually based off of some apps. I mean, there are definitely some more hardcore gamers on there. Um, I think if I wanted to play games on a handheld, I would probably, to, at least for me, but that's because I'm old, um, I, I, would use, I would get like a Switch. Uh, Nintendo Switch. I think a lot of people uh, would agree. I don't think it's necessarily an yeah. age thing. I mean, the problem think, is this, Ken, is yeah. gaming on gaming phones or gaming on phones, period, even if you buy like a top-of-line flagship, like your Galaxy S10, mm-hmm. if you buy that phone, you can game like a boss. Mm-hmm. They have the best performance. They run the newest game the best, right? But right. They, are, they, they lack some optimizations that, you know, and you can argue that, that's what gaming phones are about. These optimizations mm. are around controls, around display, around uh, audio, um, that you know make make a case potentially for gaming phones. The biggest problem is the chicken and egg thing. Mm. The best games today don't necessarily take advantage of these optimizations. So you know, it's like if you get a gaming phone, yes, you might get a better experience, but only if the software supports it. And right now, very little games support these these external controls and stuff properly. And, you know, the best games are really still on Switch. So if you're going to be yeah. a mobile gamer, you're still probably better off getting a Switch, especially with the Switch Lite that came out well, a well, couple Miriam, of weeks ago. 
Miriam, it's all about lowest common denominator, to be honest. I mean, that's that's the that's the thing in in terms of like developing uh, products and games, that, uh, you know, that I that I often hear. You know, it it is like people are designing games for for the masses, not necessarily for for the niche folks, those that want to you know go around uh, playing like esports type stuff exactly. on, on their device. Um, so yeah, they're going to be making it for whatever the, at the very, uh, least or at the, at the most, what is the, the specs that the iPhone and, you know, these pre these high quality top tier phones, uh, such as, uh, whether it's a Sony X- Xperia or it's the, uh, the Samsung Galaxy S10 or, you know, so on and so forth. Seven Pro. Yeah, you got exactly. it. Exactly. They're, they're going to be making it for those specs. At, but, you know, so, but it's interesting as you're talking, uh, with the, the Asus, uh, ROG phone, it almost reminds me like, look, you're, you're, it's, it is basically like getting a, if you're going to play a game on a laptop, right? You're not necessarily going to get like this, you know, that's, you know, like this basic, uh, laptop that you that you might you know use for just general word processing right you're gonna if you're gonna be a serious gamer you're gonna get like what like a razor computer or something yeah like and that, it's right? exactly a what top this, of the line absolutely and that's, and what that's why is. i think gaming phones have become a thing because there is a very small market yeah but right now it's struggling because the games are not really optimized yet for these um it's, it's still very much in, yeah. in its infancy but i also kind of think it in a, in a weird way and this is like just my random brain thinking it's almost like you know have you ever seen uh the the show uh Yu-Gi-Oh? no what is that okay Yu-Gi-Oh is basically like this it's a card game but there's this there's this animated series it's ba- uh, it, it, it's ba- it was big ba- it came out of japan but you know i watched it ba- way back in the day well, when it first series but um uh, it, it's kind of a it's it's basically this uh almost like magic the gathering kind of thing but okay. in the series they have what they call dual discs um so it's like you know think like augmented reality gone like on steroids okay. um uh or or like pokemon go like in real life and and you can actually see it so say i want to do battle with you like we meet out in like this field and it's somehow managed to be like this this you know augmented reality type of uh, field and on our dual disc which is like this wearable like giant pad you would place all these cards so it's almost like your your field so it's like and it's all strategy it's a typical guard game right, right. and then you lay these cards down you have magic cards you have uh, uh uh monster cards you have trap cards spells all these type of things you know typical magic gathering type of thing and as you cast something down, it would magically appear on the field and it would do battle, that type of stuff. Oh, cool. So, so it basically, you know, this is almost like if, if, if and, and these are for gamers, whether you're, you're an old gamer or a young gamer or whoever, like if you're a serious, um, you know, dueler or whoever, whatever game is, is supported by Asus. I mean, hey, it could be Fortnite for all I know, right? Yeah. Um, you could walk down the street, um, and if somebody's like, oh, hey, you're so-and-so. Yeah, you're in so-and-so. I challenge you to a duel. Okay, cool. <laughs> and then instead of saying like, oh, hold on, let me see if my, oh, I have the old, you know, iPhone right. 6S. Oh, but I have the, you know, OnePlus 6. Oh, but I can't, I, I don't have this feature, so I can't play. So I have to install this, blah, blah, blah. It's like, look, you know, just just drop this boss uh, uh, ROG phone. And like, <laughs> and then you get full, like this whole yeah. immersive type of experience. Like it's like, holy crap, this dude is serious. Or, you know, yeah. this, this person is serious. And you're like- and so, and so that's actually kind of what's interesting about this phone is that, you know, this, this is a second ROG phone. There was an ROG phone a year ago at Computex. I covered it. And it was basically a, a super high-end, you know, flagship phone with mm-hmm. a couple of shoulder controls that you could reassign to- uh, 
like their capacitive pressure sensitive buttons on the frame of the phone that you could reassign to um to the screen to tap the screen in certain areas right um and that's a common theme amongst the gamer phone so the, you know the gamer phone there's basically really like a few there's like Xiaomi makes the black shark series uh Nubia makes the red magic series and there's two or three phones in each particular pretty much every time there's a new chip that comes out from Qualcomm uh they they make a new version and then there is of course Razer and there is uh Asus um mm-hmm. and those are kind of the big players right now I might be forgetting one but those are the ones and so Asus last year came out with just a, this pretty nice phone basically kind of a flagship optimized for gaming but what's very particular about this new one this uh Asus ROG phone 2 is that it's using a new chip from Qualcomm called the Snapdragon 855 Plus that was announced Qualcomm last again? week talking about Qualcomm again yeah we have to bring it back um <laughs> And Qualcomm launched a chip last week, and it's basically a slightly overclocked 855 optimized for those kind of applications like VR and gaming and AR. And so they, they basically, spec-wise, it's the best phone on the market because of that, because no other phones have been announced with that chip yet, number one. Number two, it's the first phone that doesn't just have a 120 hertz display, which, as you know, the iPad Pros have, mm-hmm. the Razer phone has, but those are all IPS displays. This is a OLED display at 120 hertz. Until now, the fastest OLEDs we've had on phones and tablets and stuff, I don't think actually there's even a single tablet with an OLED display that fast, but it's 90 hertz. And so the OnePlus 7 Pro, which is not a gaming phone, has a 90 hertz display. And the Asus last year had a 90 hertz display, but they've pumped it up to 120. And they've made the phone a little bigger, and it has a large battery, 6,000 milliamp hour, which is insanely big. Wow. Uh, the average on a really high-end Android phone today is 4,000. You know, between 3,500 and 4,000, that's really good normally. That's mm-hmm. like, like two-day battery life normally. This is 6,000. And uh, we're starting to see some weird other things in these gaming phones. Uh, for example, Nubia on their last one, which I discussed on last show, they put a built-in fan in their phone. There's a fan in the phone. It's always there. You can turn it on and off. You can control it. Um, Asus last year had a fan accessory for their phone that clips on. Mm-hmm. And this year they have a fan accessory again on their phone that clips on, but it's quieter. So it's kind of, you know, that, that what you were saying when we started this conversation, how it reminded you of the Moto mods and like all these modular oh, yeah. accessories. Yep. Asus was actually the only real one. Like I think Xiaomi with a Black Shark series had some accessories like that. But last year's Asus ROG phone, the first one was like, they had a plethora of these you know accessories like like we dual controller that you clip on and and dual second screen you clip on and and docks for the desktop use and whatever but this year from what i gather because i I was at the original rog phone launch but not at this new rog phone 2 launch last week in taiwan they've gone even more overboard there's a like a plethora of things the phone kind of interfaces with and pops into. So I think that's what they're trying to differentiate with. Not just uh, do they have the best chip, the best display for gaming, but they're really pushing the envelope in terms of like, you know, like the made for iPhone, MFI, but but for the made for ROG phone kind of, right. you know, accessory universe. It's interesting. Well, I think this is certainly going to um, advance uh, esports uh, to, a, to a whole new level. Um, and, you know, if, if this all takes off, I mean, you, you, you mentioned like, what f- three or four companies that have similar type of these these high end um, you know gaming phones mm-hmm. and I mean yeah these are based on those specs I mean these are soup to nuts like 
amazingly powerful phones, uh, devices. And I mean, people don't, may not necessarily want to, uh, lug around an iPad, you know, because you can't necessarily or play the same game. Or switch and a phone, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so it's like, okay, maybe I just carry this around and I still get, like, I can still duel with people. I can still battle with people. You know, who knows? Maybe eventually you can, you, I can, uh, you know, attach it to, to a bigger screen, um, you know, so that way, I, so it's almost like a, it's an alternative to a, to a switch. So, I mean, who knows where, where it's going to happen. I kind of like, for me personally, I think they're, they're like ridiculous. I, I probably would never, I, I probably wouldn't get one. Although I am kind of intrigued by just like what, what could be done with them. Um, but I, I can see the, I certainly see the appeal for those who are hardcore gamers or who want to kind of like, get more out of esports and and kind of see what's see what's out there um but i me personally i would still stick with um the the traditional phones but you know again that's probably just because i'm old no i feel the same way honestly here's the thing though you know um it, to me if you if you buy like a galaxy s10 plus like with the get the largest screen right right um well although the the s10 5g is even bigger but that's that's you know you're buying it for 5g is expensive and you don't I don't recommend buying a phone for 5G right now. So let's go with the Galaxy <laughs> S10 Plus or the OnePlus 7 Pro, which is, you know, probably the two phones that have the highest spec uh, for a non-gaming phone and have, you know, um, large screens mm-hmm. and good audio and etc. They don't have custom controls and accessories that you can pop the phone into, but they do work with any Bluetooth controller. All right. And, and so that's why I think it's a little hard to make a case for these, even though you know, the, the hardcore gamer market exists in mobile and I think it will get bigger, especially once the software and the games really support these features. Mm-hmm. But right now, it's a bit of a hard sell, even though, yeah, you can buy that Asus ROG Phone 2 and say, I'm the, I've am the i got the best specs this week, right? Mm-hmm. Others will catch up. And not only that, but the, the Snapdragon 855 normal, non-plus, that's on the two phones I just mentioned, the Galaxy S10 Plus and the OnePlus 7 Pro are, you know, just a little like fractionally slower like we're not going to you're not going to notice a difference when you run a game right now so you still have a really good gaming phone in your pocket even though it's just a galaxy or one plus so that's why it's a bit of a harder sell right yeah what's the price point of the rog phone too it's actually cheaper than last year's last year's worth a thousand dollars this year's looking at like nine hundred dollars or a hundred dollars less but it's definitely more phone than last year's dollars for that i mean i would it's a lot of money I would pr- you would you would be able to get like four uh, switches or at yeah, least a switch light. Not for, to mention for that. like two OnePlus sevens non pro, right? Which are pretty damn great in terms of CPU performance. So they would not lag in terms of gaming. They would lag a little bit on other features that the pro, that the seven pro has, which are like cameras and whatever. But that's not important to a gamer. So yeah. it's it's a tough it's a tough one. But at the same time. Can you've got that? I told, I said, Nubia has a line of gaming phones. The, the Red Magic Three uh, is one I re- actually reviewed for Android Police recently. It was not really a review. It was more like I did. I did kind of like the flip it on its head thing, where I said, "Let's use this gaming phone for everything but gaming. Mm-hmm. Like use it as a flagship, top of line spec, um, normal phone." And see if it's a bad experience or not. And it wasn't a bad experience at all. That phone sells for $479. Whoa. And it has the same specs as a Galaxy S10. 
But it's what I'm wondering if this is actually going to if if the big carriers, I'm uh, sorry, the big phone makers are actually noticing this. And you know, I, I noticed one of the things that we're supposed to be talking about also is like the Pixel Four rumors as well. Well, let's um, jump into that, yeah. But I mean, it's like how is how are these fancy new gaming phones? Are they going to uh, are is that are people going to notice? And and you're going to start seeing some of that technology spread into the the Samsung like the Samsung Galaxy um, S10 and you know S10 or S11 or and so on and so forth. Because you know, if you recall, Miriam, when when we did uh, when we were in the trenches uh, and we were we were at, at the briefings with, with Samsung and and and, and the like, um, they would always tout the the their game center of whatever their whatever Samsung has on there. Right, you can you can share your you know uh, make a GIF about your about your gameplay and share it with people, record it. You can also uh, post it on like, uh, like right. YouTube yeah, yeah. or whatever those type of things. So there's all these type of like features that they have, um, but it's, I don't think that Samsung has done anything with it. Um, and like, imagine what could what could be, what could be done with with VR. I mean, it, I'm, not, I'm not sure if Samsung has also given up on on their VR ambitions. No, but, they still have the gear line. They yeah, still work with Oculus, really, you know. Yeah, but a lot of stuff hasn't really done. A lot of these companies haven't uh, phone makers haven't really done a lot in terms of the gaming. So You're I'm wondering right. if, the, if they see this type of potential and they're seeing like, hey, okay. You know, there are people that are buying the ROG phone. There are people that are buying, you know, uh, the, the Xiaomi phone and so on and so forth. Maybe they're going to be able to do that. Now, for example, you know, going into Pixel, right? I mean, who knows if Google's going to be able to do that? I mean, you got Google Stadia that's supposed to come out, and you're going to be if you're going to be able to play that on on Pixel devices. Could this? Could they be taking? You know, seeing like, hey, there could be some serious gamers that are using Pixel phones. So maybe we should, uh, you know, incorporate that in, into into the mix and. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, Stadia still hasn't been released yet, but yeah. I mean, I mean, who? There's there's so much potential. I I but I, I think uh, based on everything that's said and done, like the all the all these these gamer phones, these high end gamer phones, are certainly a niche audience. I don't see them uh, breaking out into the mainstream anytime soon. No, no, neither do I. Even uh, even the ones that cost five hundred dollars, as I said, there are some oh, flagship yeah. grade gaming phones out there. in the same way as their flagship grade normal phones right. that are you know the Chinese are really undercutting like. You know, last year was Pocophone. This year is like the the Redmi K20 Pro. These phones cost four hundred dollars and are as good as a Galaxy S10 that costs a thousand dollars. And then at a lesser extreme, you got the OnePlus Seven Pro, which costs six hundred and seventy dollars and is as good as a Galaxy S10 Plus. Yeah. So it's not a price thing. It's more of a you're right. Like, a, is there a market for this? And I think that's why you're not seeing Samsung jump into it yet mm-hmm. because I'm not sh- sure that Asus is selling enough of it i think they just want to drive it because they have an rog brand which is their republic of gamer laptop brand and they want to kind of like you know um expand into the smartphone business and i think the chinese and the taiwanese in this case with asus are going to drive this hard in the next little while more than the samsung's and the google's even though google has stadia it's much more likely for google to to make a like moto did a dock that you put your pixel in that has the controllers on it right right that turn your pixel into like a basically a, uh, a switch light, um, then or a third party to come along and make that for Google um, with the Stadia branding on it, rather than them making a dedicated gaming phone. Because again, as I said, the specs are pretty close, and so I think for Samsung, it's really a wait and see game. They don't mm-hmm. really have that gaming pedigree that ASUS does, you know, and they don't have the the kind of like innovative let's go out there and make cheap phones that are specialized like the chinese do right 
Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's a it's a tougher it's a tougher sell for them, and and it's again the chicken and egg. Until there's more games that demand specialized hardware, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard, and it's hard to imagine that games would demand specialty hardware because for a game developer that would limit your your scope. And you know, mobile is all about numbers, right? Yeah. It's like you have billions of potential customers. Why would you limit yourself, right? So. I think it's it's interesting, but back to the Pixel Four. I think uh, the leaks are just showing that forehead, as we like, you know, the the bezel at the top of the phone is still more pronounced at the bezel at the bottom of the phone. We knew that from the the leaks yeah. so far, but this rumor here is about there's a like in addition to all the openings up there that you know exist for the earpiece and the front cameras, there's another oblong opening that is very interesting. It, it might indicate maybe a time-of-flight Face ID-like camera system or that, that solely, Google solely um, radar-detecting gesture control sensor might be up there. You've heard of this? Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I've, I've read the articles. And, and look, I think it's, it's kind of hilarious that Google's like, look, everyone, we're, we're done playing the leaking game. We're just going to drop it and acknowledge that that it's going to happen, and then you know everything else is then everyone all the press can stop bothering us about you know is this confirmed? Is this confirmed? So yes, the Pixel Four is happening, but now the particulars are are starting to come out, and I I don't anticipate uh, you know it, 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 there's going to be there's nothing. Well, I mean, I think it's basically with with the new Android OS. Um, this this phone is all going to be about like whether it like accessibility or or uh, ease ease of use, right? I mean, yeah, I mean if this has face recognition, if this has you know uh, has a way to recognize hand gestures, those type of things, it's uh, Google's whole point is to try and make this phone easier to use, and so that your that the phone is working for you as opposed to you using the phone, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and. Of course, when we talk about you know, hey, uh, Google's using face recognition. I, that's sure to have like people like uh, uh, up in arms, like <laughs> oh my god, face recognition! Oh my yeah. god, what are you doing? Privacy, privacy. So I mean, yes, let's get all get out, get that out of the way, and see what Google does to address the the elephant in the room, uh, especially as they're uh, under fire uh, for other stuff as well. Um, but look, I think this is going to be uh, an interesting phone. Um, the the Pixel three has been a spectacular phone. Even the Pixel three A that was announced, that was released, oh, yeah. um, especially the 3A, at, yeah. at, at Google I/O, was uh, is a is a lower cost version, but it's still spectacular. And the fact that the Pixels are the Pixel series are still way less than the um, the high end phones that you would get from, like from Samsung or or Apple. So that's certainly a good sell. And plus, it's you know it's you have uh, basically the native uh, uh, integration with with Google. You don't have all that that bloatware as as per usual. So I think it's going to be an interesting device. Um, I, I think aside from the the small, I, all these hardware changes kind of seem very, you know, they're nice to have. Nice, like it's pretty cool to see these these type of things. But nothing about the pixels. Uh, uh, every iteration of the Pixel necessarily blows me away. No, and that's um, how Pixels are, right? I right, mean, they, and it's it's a software. The it's hardware Google's is software that's okay, be but yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, what stands out here, and I just want to make it clear: almost every Android phone sold today has face identification for unlocking, yeah. right? Like a, some sort of uh, camera-based face ID type equivalent to the iPhone. That's no big, that's no brainer. Even Samsung a, has that. Google, uh, Apple has that. But here's the thing: if, but but, if, but I was gonna, I was going to say what's really interesting is. 
as you know on Android, nobody lets you do lets you use that face authentication for payment. Mm. Apple is the only one because it does it has basically a proper 3D scan of your face, which right. is much more secure than all the Android phone that do face unlock on 2D on a sim normal on a normal camera. There's a few with time of flight, like the Mate 20 Pro and the, the LG G8, but they don't have the hooks in Android to make that a secure enough to use for payments. So you still have to use your fingerprint to unlock to fa- or type a code, right. uh, a lock code to unlock your phone for payment. So to me, this looks like, you know, together with the rumors of what's coming with the late next version of Android, it looks like the Pixel 4 might finally be the first Android device with face unlock that competes directly with Face ID on the iPhone and the iPad in so far that it will unlock the phone for payments. Well, I think it's it's certainly possible. I mean, didn't uh, I think you're 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 starting to see this this tit for tat, uh, you know, between Android and 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 iOS. You know, yeah. whatever Apple does, Google does, or whatever Google does, Apple does. But it's and, been two years, right? Think about oh, yeah. this. Well, I mean, it, you, well, you look. I mean, wasn't it that at one when when Apple announced the the memojis, right? Yeah. Um, then the, I think what the next year at I/O, uh, Google announced something similar. Um, uh, I think for, it was for Samsung first, or, or yeah, Samsung or Samsung or some. Yeah, you're right. It was it was Samsung. I, it was, it's not Google, but I mean, it's like that. That the Android ecosystem will do a tit for tat type of type of thing oh, yeah, with yeah, with yeah. with Apple. Um, so I mean, yeah, this. I think Google's whole um AI and and uh, potential for for facial recognition will will certainly come uh, will play a bigger factor in in uh with the pixel 4 i think it has to uh because that's probably that's probably uh google's biggest strength when when you bring it into into the what people want out of their phones what's what do they consider innovations right um so this is going to be an interesting interesting uh thing for for what the pixel 4 will be um what the technology will be and whether or not they have ways to counter criticism so yeah, I mean, could they? Will this? Will the Pixel Four counter the the uh, photo test? You know, the test where hey, I can take a picture of you, Miriam, and hold it up to your phone, and will the your phone unlock it because it sees a picture of you versus actually seeing you? Right. Or or you know the twin test, right? If if yeah. you have a twin, will that work? Right. And all well, these types. We'll of things. see. I mean, I think it's it's interesting that you know. I mean, peaks, leaks and rumors are always interesting because right. you kind of like get piece little little piecemeal pieces that kind of make you scratch your head and go like, okay, let's speculate and and stuff. But isn't it and fun to just think to make think about crazy stuff Absolutely. like that? Absolutely. Uh, speaking of payments, I want to talk about LG Pay briefly, just mostly to chuckle because look, the reality <laughs> is this. Um, it's now available in the U.S. Like anybody's going to care. Number one, LG, I love what they do. I love their phones. They're really nice phones, but they've really not been competitive and they've really not been trying very hard. And and they, uh, they are so irrelevant to the U.S. market right now. Just as a phone manufacturer, never mind that the fact that they have their own payment method that is now officially available here. I don't think too many people use Samsung Pay. And it, that's, you know, Samsung's own. And there's a lot more galaxies out there. I think the reality is this. Mobile payment is broken in this country. It's just as, you know, people are not using it. Like I am, you might be, right. a lot of the journalists and, and YouTubers and tech folks and a lot of my audience, I would argue, probably uses it. But the reality is 
I use Google Pay because it works on all the phones and I review multiple Google, multiple Android phones. Um, and as long as you have NFC, it works. And and a lot of people, I think the majority of people who use a mobile payment in the US probably use Apple Pay because Apple's really marketed it. And I think the, you know, if you go out there to a coffee shop that has the device in the terminal that, and is aware of the fact that you can pay with your phone by tapping, if you ask them what that's called, everyone will say Apple Pay. They yep. won't say Google Pay, even though the terminal supports it. They won't say contactless payment. They won't say mobile tap payment. They will all say, you know, Apple Pay. So yep. I think Apple Apple's definitely won that battle, at least in the US. And I think Google is a close second in terms of use, probably sharing uh, equal, you know, what's it called, uh, prevalence as, as Samsung. What makes Samsung interesting and different is that they... Uh, both support contactless like NFC payment, as well as they're able to, they, they bought a company that basically um, lets payments be done by tapping a phone on a terminal that doesn't have NFC by um, creating a magnetic field that replicates you swiping the card in a card reader. So it's a very unique different differentiator for them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it's kind of interesting because that technology replicates swiping a credit card and it's less secure because of that, but it works on terminals that don't support any kind of contactless payment, NFC-based payment. So the question is, I'm not sure how LG Pay works. I assume it's just pure NFC like Google Pay and Apple Pay, in which case, why would you even bother? You, if your LG phone supports Google Pay, then just put Google Pay on there, enable that. Why would you put your credit cards into another silo that's specific to LG when the chance of you having an LG phone next time around, even if you got a good deal from Sprint this year, is is almost null, right? Considering how their track record with sales in the US. So, so you know, I, there's there's several points here. I think one, it's uh, you, you, to your statements like you you don't know how how it you know LG Pay works, and I don't I don't even know how that works. But here's the thing with with, with Apple Pay, it's like when I had an iPhone, it just worked. I would exactly. go up to a device to a to a to a terminal and hold down. It, it would it would immediately recognize that I'm about about to make a payment, and I just hold you know authenticate and boom. I was like, oh my god, this is magic, and I would walk away, right? And now the thing with the when I when I'm Android, this is the thing where I'm kind of hesitant to use the, you know Apple Pay or Android Pay or, or or Samsung Pay just because it's like every time I've tried it, it's like at a grocery store, it's like I'm not really sure because they say like, oh, you just Unlock your phone, so I unlock my phone, and then you just hold it up to the to the terminal. I hold up the terminal; it doesn't work. I'm like, "What's going on?" You know, it's, it doesn't seem. As... I think you need to try it again, Ken, because it works every time now. Okay, well, pretty I'm much gonna... any place that takes Apple Pay now will take Google Pay. If you what about is... Samsung Pay? No, I'm not talking about Samsung Pay. I don't well, know. I, don't well, I, I think it. I had set up Samsung. I don't, I don't remember, yeah. but it's like... I, I, no, Samsung Pay, that's the problem. Samsung Pay is not as reliable unless you use the NFC part of it, which you never, you can't control. It's just right. going to use whichever is the terminal supports. And no, try Google Pay because it's a direct clone of Apple Pay. And in the early days, it had some growing pains, but yeah. I, I, I've been using it extensively for about five years now, and it works pretty much anywhere Apple Pay works. I think I think the, this, the, 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 to, to the point is like, why is LG doing it? I think it, I think 
the end of the day, it's all about branding. It's all about branding and a potential ecosystem um, at play here. But they right? don't even really so, have an ecosystem in the U.S. anymore. They're barely selling phones. So well, why bring look, this to uh, the U.S.? Okay, wait, wait. Well, I think look, they got it. There are there are selling uh, LG phones. I, I presume well, I mean, they there's are probably I've at least like them. I reviewed them. They exist, but it's such low. Well, you numbers, tested them, you but did, you didn't buy them. So they're 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 looking at. I presume like people have actually paid them money for for their phones. Um, very similar to somebody has paid Amazon for their awful Fire Phone and. Basically paid Facebook for their awful uh, Facebook home phone oh my back God. in the day. Yeah, uh, poor one out for that one. HTC um, first. <laughs> but I think here, here's the thing: is like, yeah, so so it's all about branding because it's like, look, LG could do, and, and LG phones probably also have Android Pay guaranteed because if they're at, oh, they, they have, do, it, yeah. So same thing. Every Android phone has Android Pay on it, but they all, but but those that have this their own makeshift type of payment type of thing, you know, Samsung. So Samsung Pay is add on there. I mean, is it unnecessary bloatware? Probably. Same thing with with LG phones, right? So LG Pay is now probably going to be on the phones as are as is uh, Android Pay. So, but here's the thing. You know, and, and this is pure speculation because who knows what the hell can happen. But you know, you have you have this LG ecosystem. You know, I what they make a whole they make a, a, a host of different products besides phones. You know, they make monitors, they make I think fridges and all these other right. appliances and whatnot. Who knows if that all will come into play in terms of some payment ecosystem type of type of deal? I, I mean, you're right. I mean, in Korea, that makes perfect sense. Like, yeah, I don't it, have a problem with it. But right? I mean, like, but your point is like, why in the U.S. It's the biggest market. If it succeeds here, you know, maybe there's right. adoption elsewhere. I'm not exactly sure. I mean, maybe to to raise raise the profile of of LG, saying, "Hey, we're innovating." Huh. I think it'll fail. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> That's all. It probably it might just be one of the. It might be an actual like an, uh, a a quote unquote experiment, right? It's yeah. like okay, we're just it's gonna we we tried it out for two years and we won't say anything and it just kind of fades away. Yeah, for sure. You're like, well, what happened to LG Pay? Like, what are you talking about? We didn't do anything with it. I looked at it by the way. It's like Samsung. It supports both the NFC tap side, so contactless like Apple and Google do, but it also supports that magnetic strip spoofing by like generating magnetic pulses, which yeah. is, again, they must have bought that patent from Samsung, which yeah. bought that company, US company that invented that idea. Um, not as secure, but but look, the reality is this, is Google Pay works pretty much where Apple Pay works today. Mm -hmm. And you can, even a phone that costs $200, $250, like, you know, a uh, mid-range uh, phone, as long as it has NFC, will just work. And, you know, it's best to combine it with a fingerprint, uh, just like uh, the older iPhones, because you just, you know, your phone can be completely off. You hold the fingerprint sensor with, the, you tap it with your finger, and you at the same time as you tap the phone on the terminal, and it just works, right? Yeah. Um, unless you're a masochist and you want to type in a code every time. <laughs> Um, and on a modern iPhone, it's the same, but with your face. Yeah. And obviously on the Google Pixel 4, if it supports uh, proper face authentication for payments, which no Android phone does today, then it'll be the same with your f either your fingerprint or your face. Yep. Assuming the Pixel 4 even has a fingerprint sensor at this point, there is no sign of it. It could be under the display, which is very common on modern Android phones, but it could also be that they're banking on what Apple did and do full face ID for everything. So it'll be interesting. I, I just thought it was a bit of a chuckle when i was like really lg like five years ago when you had more market penetration and you were more relevant uh in the u.s uh and samsung was rolling out samsung pay i can see you coming out and say oh rah 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 we're here with lg pay but in 2019 it seems like 
uh, Me Too. We checked the box. We can now report to the CEO that we've got LG Pay in the US. You might as well just start the start writing headlines and basically saying, okay, Nokia Pay, BlackBerry Pay. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I mean, okay, you could say Xiaomi Pay, but I mean, I think they actually no, there is have a uh, there's a Mi Pay, but it's not and available in the U.S. because you can't really bet the Xiaomi phones here. No, I mean, it's it's like you know, we we WeChat Pay is really you know the the way to pay there. Um, well, I mean, China, like China and Asia have have just basically their their talk about innovation over there. That's for another another show. I mean, but they're just for insane sure. compared to to what we have here. We're like, oh, what is this LG Pay? Like, what the hell is this? Why do we need this? But you go over there, like, Psh, you know, I'm just look. Let me, let me hold my beer. Here's how we do it. Beep beep <laughs> beep beep. Done. You're like, oh my god. Like, you guys are so advanced. Totally. Um, we should wrap up. I, I want to talk about, a, just mention a couple of things real quick. Um, HTC launched a couple of phones with the Wildfire brand, well, HTC Wildfire something, uh, e, e Plus and E1. Wait, HTC is still around? Yeah, they still make phones, mostly oh. in Taiwan. Oh, okay. um, I don't know if these phones are coming to the US, but it's what's interesting. The, the news part here is not that HTC is making phones still and that they launched two very boring mid-range, low-end-ish phones. Is that the branding Wildfire was used in the early days of HTC for some really nice phones. So it's interesting that they're recycling this. Everything old is new again. I mean, it's like, bring it all back. Yeah, and so that's all. I've, that's really all I have to say here. I, I just wanted to say, wow, HTC, yeah. you're really clinging on here. <laughs> we love you. It's kind of like LG. You're kind of dead in the water in the US, but... Um, additionally, I wanted to, I'm, I don't have time to expand on it, but I will promise you to talk about it next, next week. Um, I've developed my own scoring system or, or, um, uh, you know, rating system for smartphones and devices. It's a bit interesting. So it's, I, I tested this on, on Twitter. If you want to read my Twitter and you'll read about it, I scored most of the big phones with it already. Just look for the Tankerl score, T-N-K-G-R-L score, one, no, no spaces as a hashtag, and you will find my, my ratings. I can't expand on it right now. We don't have time, but I, I will talk to you about it next week. If you know, the reason for you to come back also next week, potentially I've got a few new devices in my stable that arrived uh, for me to play with Xperia one from Sony, their flagship phone, uh, a T-Mobile Revelry plus, which is basically a Moto G seven plus rebranded for T-Mobile. I was kind of curious because there were rumors that that's what T-Mobile was doing, rebranding the Moto G7, which is a really great mid, mid-range mid phone. And it definitely looks like that what they did. So I'll let you know how that works. And I got a Dell Chromebook, a rugged 11-inch 3100 2-in-1 uh, convertible Chromebook. The reason for that is because I've been looking for something I can take on camping trips that's super rugged, but that's really cheap and easy to use. Uh, it's a $419 laptop. I mean, it's not cheap for a Chromebook, but it's rugged, so it's cool. Uh, and it's mostly sold in education markets, so I, I don't know if you'll be able to buy one. I'm pretty sure you can still go to the Dell website and buy one. But they sent me one, and I'll let you know what life is like when you're used to using like a, a Pixel book, you know, a really high-end Chromebook all the time. <laughs> How is it going down to a $400 11-inch Chromebook, but conversely, that has really long battery life and is really rugged? So I'll let you know. I'll let you know next week. Tune in for that. Um, 
Ken, do you want to tell people where they can find you on the internet? I, I obviously Flipboard, but I'm talking about like your social media handles, other projects you might be working on that you want to drop a bunch of URLs for. Oh, sure, sure. So, I mean, yes, you can obviously find me on Flipboard, flipboard.com slash at the Ken Young. Obviously, please do sign up and use Flipboard. You'll find some very, very interesting stuff there. Um, we are curating all sorts of things such as funding news, long reads, um, general tech news, and obviously podcasts. So you can find this episode on in our tech podcast uh, magazine uh, coming up soon. Um, also, you can definitely find my blatherings and my rants and my crazy old guy staring, yelling at the clouds uh, uh, tweets on Twitter at the Ken Young, T-H-E-K-E-N-Y-E-U-N-G. Uh, you go to the other one, the wrong spelling, and I'm not sure who that is, but be sure to say hi. Um, also, <laughs> um, you can sim- similar on 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 the Facebook and, and the like, but yeah, you can certainly uh, Google me and I am around, but certainly uh, drop me a line if you are on Twitter. Are you on Instagram at all? I am on Instagram. I am asshole. Oh, ass. Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, also at the Ken Young, T-H-E-K-E-N-Y-E-U-N-G. I keep spelling it almost like I'm a part of the Mickey Mouse Club, which is very, very hilarious. Oh, it's yeah. good because, you know, uh, mine is weird to spell, too. So I, I support you having to spell it out. <laughs> it's, it's smarter to smell it out, so yeah, so to yeah. spell it out. Uh, also, I want to say I use Flipboard. I love it. If I've been using it since day one. It is my favorite go-to way of consuming news. I highly, highly recommend it. It's such an easy app to install, and it it's beautifully, spectacularly beautiful on tablets. Oh, yeah. Highly recommend it. And it's great on every phone imaginable. I mean, Correct. this is... It, it, this is a, a, a really great app, and you know, obviously, I'm not I'm I'm biased because I work here. But I before I worked here, I was an I've ha- I am and have been an avid user uh, of of Flipboard, and it's absolutely amazing. So please do give it a give it a sh- uh, try. And if you have any questions about it or you want to talk tech, do hit me up. Yes, do it, Ken up on the Twitters. Uh, you know where to find me. I'm at Tankerl on Twitter. That's T-N-K-G-R-L. It's the same handle on Instagram for pretty photos of phones and pretty photos taken with phones. You know, I'm a bit of a photographer hobbyist when it comes to mobile photography. Um, but also there's a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Miriam Joir, my full name spelled out. If you don't know how to spell my name, go to my Twitter. It's there. Just drop that space between the first and last name. Put it in the URL for YouTube and you're good to go. There's a bunch of videos, hands-ons, sometimes reviews, but mostly unboxings. I want some visual context for the devices we talk about. So I try to get my hands on all the devices we talk about. And eventually you'll see a video probably about that ROG phone too, I hope. And uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, The other thing I want to say is the podcast. If you stumbled upon the podcast by accident because of uh, Ken curating it on Flipboard, then, well, you want to subscribe. And how do you do that? Well, mobiletechpodcast.com is a URL. It has an RSS feed there. You can subscribe that way. Or you can just go to Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Overcast, um, even Spotify and TuneIn Radio and just Type in Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, or just sometimes just Mobile Tech Podcast is enough, and boom, there you are. Subscribe, please. Subscribe to the YouTube. Tell your friends. Disseminate this if you enjoyed the show. And I also want to thank our sponsor. We have a sponsor, a longtime sponsor on the show, Audible. Audible.com is the place for audiobooks. If you like audiobooks and or you like books in general, but maybe you're a delivery driver and you have to drive all day and you can't read the books, but you want to listen to the books or listen to the podcasts, 
Audible is where you want to go. It's it's pretty awesome. And because you're wonderful listeners, I have a deal for you. If you are not yet an Audible customer and you want to join, you want to try it out, not only do you get a 30-day free trial, but you get to keep the book, one book that you, you know, downloaded and really like at the end of this free deal, even if you don't continue. So in the show description, there is a link to uh, support the podcast and get that deal. And it's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. So if you want to support the podcast, if you don't have Audible yet and you love books and you particularly having them read to you for whatever reason, maybe read by the author. There's a lot of selection and the authors often read their books, which I think is really awesome. Check out Audible and support the podcast. We appreciate it. And we also appreciate Ken for being on the show today. Thanks, Ken. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll have you back sometime to have ramblings about all that. we. I love how we went deep into some really good stuff today. That's exactly what this show is all about. So if you're listening, folks, today, come back next week for another show. And until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.